Scratch and Sniff. Last time on Scratch and Sniff. Good grief, I'm on Scratch and Sniff. My first school's matinee. I walked down as Hamlet all in black. And then this voice from the back said, Where's Basil? When I was filming with Alec Guinness in Paris, I'd had too much to drink. (laughs) And Alec took me out to sober me up. And I was saying, do you mind, Ali, if I tell you a story? (laughs) I said, well, the principal of Rada said to me, I would love you to become another Alec Guinness. (laughs) He said, oh, Derek. He said, well, the original is doing quite well at the moment. (laughs) And then the door opened. And I went, blimey, you're Shelley Winters. And she said, and who are you? And I said, I'm Derry Foles. And she put her tongue right down my throat. <laughs> I never saw her again the rest of the evening. And I turned round, and there was Frank Sinatra. <laughs> he shook his hand. I shook Frank's hand, and I said something like, I do admire your work. <laughs> and now, part two of Derek Folds on SMS Online. Prime Minister. Good evening, Lord Randolph. Lord Blanford. Good evening. Not dancing, Prime Minister. I'm afraid these old legs are not quite so nimble as they used to be. (laughs) I must congratulate you, Mr. Disraeli, on a splendid majority. Uh, How many? Enough, I fancy. Enough. Fifty overall. (laughs) Don't be taken in, my dear fellow. The Prime Minister is delighted with the result of the election. We all are. It came in good time. Ah, I think they've stopped playing. Uh, Not for long. The Prince is in good form tonight. They'll go on until the small hours. Oh, dear. Now, what's the matter, Prime Minister? Don't you like a good party? Have a drink. So, in 1975, you were cast as Lord Randolph Churchill in a very prestigious production done by ITV, Edward VII. Yeah. Uh, how was that? Well, it was a wonderful series with, you know, the, the great Timothy West mm. as Edward VII and Nick Crosby as Queen Victoria. And, uh, lovely Robert Hardy. Robert Hardy. Yeah. And... Uh, <clears throat> I knew the director, John Gorry, and uh, he said, uh, would you like to play Lord Randolph Churchill? <laughs> I said, God, how wonderful, with that cast. And John Gielgud playing Disraeli. Hey! Now, we used to rehearse in those days. Apparently I looked fairly like uh, Randolph Churchill as he was at that age, and that's how I got the part. I mean, it's all physical, isn't it? And uh, I had this scene with Sir John as Disraeli and we were rehearsing and I I found it quite difficult. I was so in awe of John Gilgood. As uh, one would be. As one would be, yes, (laughs) the great. And uh, John Gorry said to me one, he said, will you stay behind, Derek? I want to talk to you about that scene. I said, yeah, of course. He said... Uh, I'm not happy with the scene. I said, right. He said, because, I mean, you're very good as Lord Randolph Churchill. You're going to be wonderful. But your scene with Sir John, you must remember that he 
is Disraeli. He's a jumped-up common Jew. And you are a peer of the realm. And I said, well, I find it difficult because why is he playing it like the Queen of England? Oh. Oh. <laughs> I never told Sir John that. Well, no, you wouldn't really. Did, you didn't give him notes, did you? <laughs> no. No, I, I, I was so honoured and privileged to be mm. in that series. It was hugely successful. But I love it. I mean, I've, I've been reviewing some of it on YouTube. I mean, it, it, it's, it's sumptuous in terms of the, yeah. the, the set design and everything, oh, the, the whole lighting. Oh, no, it was a big, big... Mm. Well, it was the Downton Abbey yeah. of, of, of its day. Mm. Mm. Huge, and made Tim West into a big star. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You never did a Doctor Who. You should have been no. in Doctor Who. I'm never quite did. annoyed about that. You should have been Doctor yeah. Who. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah. I never did a Doctor Who, and I never did a Bill. You know the Bill. <laughs> Everybody does I the know. Bill, darling. Everybody does a Bill. <laughs> Not me. My partner will laugh at that very much because there's always this this gag, running gag that everybody's in the bill at some point. I'm the only actor in England that's never been in the bill. (laughs) But there you go. You're listening to Derek Folds on SNS Online. And don't forget, this show acts as the perfect complement to Derek's autobiography, A Part Worth Playing, written with Michael Sellers, that covers his 60-year career to date, the actors he's worked with along the way, the good times and bad, plus many wonderful anecdotes, available from all good bookshops and possibly a few dodgy ones too, as well as online at phantomfilms.co.uk and audiobook read by Derek himself at renownfilms.co.uk. So uh, how long should we allow for this meeting? 72 hours. Fine. Uh, it's only the New Zealand High Commissioner. Isn't uh, 72 hours a bit generous? I was just thinking how long we could hold the Russians. Still, if we could persuade the Americans to strengthen their conventional forces... I don't think it'll make much difference. Oh? Well, apparently, the American troops in Germany are all so drug-ridden they don't know which side they're on anyway. <laughs> During the last NATO exercises, the uh, US troops dispersed and picnicked in the woods with lady soldiers. What about the other NATO armies? Oh, they're all right. On weekdays, anyway. Weekdays? Uh, yes, the Dutch, Danish and Belgium armies go home for the weekend. So, on the whole, if the Russians are going to invade, we'd prefer them to do it between Mondays and Fridays. <laughs> So we get to 1979, although the first episode of this show that we're about to speak about was, I think, transmitted the following year because of the general election. You were cast as a principal private secretary to the Minister of Administrative Affairs, Bernard Woolley, in a brand new series called Yes, Minister, written by Jonathan Lynn and Anthony J. Jonathan Lynn being an actor himself. Yeah. I I, I went to see my agent and, uh, and then coming out of the door was Johnny Lynn. And I said, hello, Johnny, how are you? What are you doing? Oh, he said, this and that, this and that, as you do. And I went in uh, to see my agent, and I said, what's he doing here? You know, nosy, nosy <laughs> actors. <laughs> oh, he's thrilled. They've written this new series, and uh, he's just cast Nigel Hawthorne. And being me, I said, anything for me in it? He said, no, nothing. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, home, I went home. And this often happened. I went home, having seen my agent, and... Uh, 
and then he phoned up and he said, Derek, um, Johnny has had this idea and he's sending you, there may be something for you in it, and he's sending you a script and it's called Yes Minister. And I said, is it about Vickers? <laughs> I thought it was a... I thought Derek Nimmo yes. might be in there. Well, a lot of those shows were around in those days. All gas and gators. Yes. And he said, no, it's about politics. I said, a sitcom about politics? Well, that's new. Anyway, I got the script and uh, I was blown away. I thought, this is so different. Will, it, will people like it? It was innovative. The script was brilliant. I loved the character. I didn't quite know what I was going to do with it. And uh, thereby hangs another story mm. because uh, I was thrilled. I said, yes, I would love to do it. And the first scene I had to play was not in the studio. It was outside number 10. <clears throat> and uh, I knew Paul and I knew Nigel. So it was great that I was going to work with them. Now, Paul and I were in a taxi outside number 10. And I'd, before, her, before we started filming, I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll, 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 I'll have a terribly pucker voice because they're all civil servants. They all talk a bit like that. And uh, I think I might wear these little glasses. So we were going through the lines in the taxi and Paul, lovely Paul, he said, uh, <clears throat> Derek, um, why are you talking in that funny voice? <laughs> I said, um, well, I thought it was rather good, didn't I? I said, no, he said, it's terrible. And he said, what, what, you're not going to wear those glasses. I said, I thought it was good character yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, He said, listen, just be you. I said, I don't know how to do that. He said. That's, that's what John Pertwee said when he played Doctor Who. They wanted him to play it as himself. Which is difficult. Yeah. And then when I said to Paul, I don't know how to do that, he said, you remember when you talked to Basil Brush? Do it like that. <laughs> anyway, Paul, Paul and Nigel became uh, very, very close friends, and I love them and miss them, and I, 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 I feel very privileged and so lucky to be a part of that show. And I miss them every day, and uh, I think about them. Yeah, no, it's a, it was, it was such a different, exciting thing to be a part of. Mm. It was a very slow burner, but when it went on to BBC One, in the audience we got civil servants and and politicians, and and they all believed we were who we were. And uh, I remember going to number ten with Paul and Nigel and. Some chap came up to me and said, hello, I'm Bernard. I said, oh, well, I'm Bernard. He said, no, I'm Bernard. He's Bernard. And that chap over there is Bernard. We're all Bernards. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and, uh, and they really believe that, uh, that, that when, when, when Paul became prime minister, and, of course, everyone believed that Humphrey was running the country, it was, it was great to be a part of. And I look back on that with... You know, great love and and warmth. also very ahead of its time. I mean, with all the Brexit stuff that's going on now, there are clips yeah, of yeah. Yes Minister currently doing the rounds, saying well, how yeah, prophetic yeah. this writing is. Well, they're showing clips after so many clips on YouTube yeah. about Sir Humphrey's theory on Europe, 
and uh, <laughs> why we should we, we always wanted to be in it to make a pig's breakfast of the, <laughs> of the whole thing and uh, it was before its time mm. and you must also remember that when we were doing it we didn't have cameras in the House of Commons mm. so there were no Prime Minister's question time people didn't really know and that's why they believed that Yes, Minister, was uh, a documentary. And because I think the three of us played it totally for truth. And that's why uh, I remember Paul saying to me, Derek, you're acting, stop it. <laughs> but I, 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 I know what he means. I mean, I'm not, I'm not that I've ever seen you acting. Yeah. You just, you, you inhabit that role, sir. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but they, we had such fun. I mean, when Paul used to say this was a masterclass, and then uh, I remember he said to me once, he said, Derek, this is before the premiership. It's when, we, it's when we had football, you know, leagues one, two, and three. And he said, uh, he said Derek, he said, um, where do you see yourself in, in football terms? I said, I don't know, what are you talking about? He said, well, you know, Division One, Division Two, Division Three." I said, I've got a clue. Where do you see yourself? He said, well, I think Nigel and I are halfway up Division One." I said, do you really? <laughs> How exciting. Mm. So I said, well, where do you see me? He said, well, I think you're probably top of Division Two waiting for promotion. <laughs> No, we did tease each other a lot. And, uh, but they were very generous because mm. often they would brilliantly do a scene lasting 10 minutes. Mm. And I had one line at the end that got the laughs. Yes, yeah. And uh, they it's did. One about the tits. For <laughs> on the tits line, yeah. Yes, the sun readers don't care. Who runs the country as long as she's got big tits? <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. I think, uh, uh, I think Jonathan and Tony... Jay had written boobs and we had this discussion about what's funnier, boobs or tits and I said, well, tits. And Absolutely then, tits, every time. And then Sid Lotterby, the director, well, said, well, let's shoot it both ways. Mm. And I said, well, let's do the tits line first and you won't have to do it a second time. Oh. And uh, he got a huge laugh. Mm. They show that clip a lot, don't they? <laughs> and uh, there are so many happy memories of... Uh, of those seven years together and we socialized together and had fun i mean paul and i were in australia together <coughs> he did uh, he did the browning version and uh hms pinafore i was doing a play called a rattle of a simple man and uh yeah we, we're very close I, w I wonder if our favorite episodes are, are similar i i remember the moral dimension which was the one about uh, um having all the Saudis in and uh, not being able to drink at the, at the big meetings. Oh, yeah, so, so, no. they, so they go off to get, uh, yeah. Mr. Jim Bean wants you on the... I think that's one of my favourites. Yeah. Oh, Bernard, you are wonderful. I don't know what we'd do without you. Oh, Bernard, <laughs> wanted in the communications room, Mr. John Walker. <laughs> Johnny Walker? Yes, from the Scotch office. <laughs> Scottish office. Yeah, so if there is one take where I'm actually laughing, <laughs> and because uh, I couldn't, I never rehearsed that with a straight face. 
because Paul was brilliant at being drunk. Yes. And uh, <laughs> when we come in, and it was Mr. Smirnoff and Johnny Walker. <laughs> My parents, who were such big fans, oh. such big fans. It was event TV in our household. Yes. I mean, they, they just they just roared laughing at this. And teachers. They were, <laughs> and uh, there is a take. There is a take where they kept in, where I'm, I'm slightly thinking, am I going to get through this? Yeah, yeah. But uh, they were they were brilliant, and the other one I I love well I I enjoyed all of them, but was when we locked Humphrey yes. out. That's that's my that's my other one. How extraordinary! Yeah. Ah, hello. May I speak to Sir Humphrey, please? Yes, Bernard. Oh, hello, Sir Humphrey. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sir Humphrey, hello. Hello, Bernard here. <laughs> so I see. Sir Humphrey, you're just the person I want to talk to. Well, here I am in person, even better. Well, yes and no. Um, Sir Humphrey. Yes, Bernard. Uh, the uh, Prime Minister has asked me to remind you uh, that it might be more convenient. Uh, that is, it might involve you in less hanging around mm -hmm. if you were to phone through from the Cabinet Office before popping over to see us. <laughs> well, it's not inconvenient at all. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> is the Prime Minister busy at the moment? Yes. With what? Just paperwork. Well, in that case, I'll just have a word with him. Well, he's doing his paperwork with somebody. Do you mean he's got somebody with him? He yes. Did you get um, quite a you know, few good lines in that? Because I, I can't remember. I just remember yeah. him trying to break in. Yeah, I had more to do in... Yes, Prime Minister, and that was due to the generosity of Paul and Nigel because they had so much to do, yeah. and they did go to the writers at some point, and I didn't know this till much later. They went to uh, the writers and said, look, you know, give Derek some more to do because, you know, we love him and, mm. and uh, he's great for us and he's very pivotal and, and it'll take the, some of... You know, stuff away from us and yeah. give us a rest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, that was that was the uh, that was how lovely they were. And one of the most bizarre things is you actually got to work with Margaret Thatcher, the Prime Minister at the time, um, in an acting role. No, I didn't. Oh, I, you weren't no, in no, that. No, no, I no. apologise. No, I was on tour. Oh, you're Thank on God tour. I got away with that. You were on tour in whoops. <laughs> there go my bloomers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> carry on up the kibble. Yeah. No, no. I don't know what I was, no, I was doing, something. Something. And so it was just for two of them, okay? Yes, and they didn't want to go, and in the end they were persuaded. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think they enjoyed it much. But okay. It came over all right. But yeah, it was, it was a bit of a giggle, I suppose. Yeah, it was but a giggle, yeah. Yes, it's all very simple. I want you to abolish economists. <laughs> abolish economists, Prime Minister? Yes, abolish economists, and quickly. All of them, Brandon. <laughs> so, could you possibly give us a little quote? Can you drag some of the, those those wonderful words um, from your memories and uh, give us a bit? Can Bernard in, inhabit you again for well, for a, just a short short there is, moment? Well, there is one I, I I do remember. I think it's when I'm talking to Humphrey. He says, he needs to know, Bernard. And I said, oh, 
So you need to know things even though you don't need to know them. You need to know them not because you need to know them, but because you need to know whether or not you need to know. And if you don't need to know, you still need to know, so that you'll know whether or not you need to know. Ha <laughs> ha! Round of applause, everybody. That was great. Bernard was in the room. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's slightly older. Slightly older. <laughs> um, you were telling me that uh, Jonathan Lynn is writing something for the Brexit generation. That, no, that... I was. Uh, oh, was this... my, no, my agent phoned me up and said uh, Radio Four um, are doing. They're waiting for a, a five-minute script from uh, Jonathan Lynn uh, on Brexit. Mm. And we wondered if Derek Folds would, uh, you know, be available to come and do it for us. And I said, any script from Johnny Lynn, I would be, it'd be a pleasure. But I haven't heard anything. Okay. So I'm just waiting. I mean, that, that would be such a missed opportunity if that doesn't happen. Well, they'd said towards the end of, I think it's the end of this week or beginning of next. So okay. If it happens, it happens, you know. So when this comes out, who knows? It might have, it might have happened. It might have been on. Radio, <laughs> Radio 4. Radio 4. I don't know what the programme is, but... Mm. Uh, Excellent. It's something to do. You with. did some. You did some Radio Four Yes Minutes as well, didn't you? Yeah, we recorded three series. So three separate series, different yeah. scripts. Yeah, amazing. Scratch and sniff. So we're on part two of the soundtrack of your life, Mr. Folds. Yeah, I I went to. Um, I used to go to America a lot. I had a mentor in New York called Lehman Bick, and I used to go often to see him. I met him when I was on Broadway in, uh, in uh, Chips with Everything. And he was a, a singing teacher and a voice coach. And I met a lot of his students, and they were in this musical that was a huge hit. And every time I went to see him, I used to get free tickets to go and see the matinee of this wonderful musical called A Chorus Line. And there's one song in that that um, I love so much and it sums up what we do for love. It sums up the performer's craft and how we suffer for our art. And it's a kiss today goodbye. Kiss today goodbye The sweetness and the sorrow Wish me luck the same to you But I can't regret what I did for love what I did for love Look, my eyes are dry The gift was ours to borrow It's as if we
Josh Groban's second outing with us today, What I Did for Love. You're listening to SNS Online with my special guest, Derek Folds. What would you say your most challenging and rewarding theatre role has been over the years? I mean, you've done Broadway, all sorts. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've loved theatre. I mean, I spent 30 years on the stage. Uh, my first West End play was The Miracle Worker with uh, the wonderful Anna Massey. Yes. And that ran for nine months, and I was very lucky. Uh, I used to go down to Worthing a lot. It was weekly rep in those days. Gee, how on earth did I do all that? But I played Look Homeward Angel. I played Billy Liar. Oh, you'll be a great Billy Liar. Well, I I was very nearly the third Billy Liar in London, but it Mm. came off. Okay. uh, Because Albert Finney was just wonderful. Tom Courtney played it, and I did it at Worthing, and then I toured it. So I love doing that. And then I did a play with Ian McShane called How Are You, Johnny? Oh, is that the gay one? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah we called it The Loneliness of the Long Distance Homosexual Lorry. <laughs> Lorry driver, yeah. And then I did a wonderful play uh, with uh, Alastair Sim, the great Alastair Sim. Oh, that's extraordinary. What was he like to work with? Amazing. A genius. Mm. 
uh, very naughty. <laughs> there are only four of us in it. And he used to upstage all of us. I don't know mm. what he did with this. He had these enormous hands and this wonderful face. But, uh, yeah, he taught me a lot, Alistair, and I loved being with him. And then I went into uh, an Alan Akebourne play that was in London in the West End with John Alderton and Pauline Collins. Confusions. And that ran, that ran for uh, nine months. And then Child's Play with Lawrence Harvey, another hit. And then uh, I've done 14 plays in London. I took over in Run For Your Wife. I did a year, which was a huge mistake in No Sex, Please. Oh, right. We're British. Yeah. And uh, Why was that a mistake? Well, it was just a terrible play. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, originally, Michael Crawford had really um, played him like Frank Spencer. Mm. That's why it was such a success. Mm. He created Spank, Frank, Spank. He mm. created Frank Spencer in No Sex, Please, We're British, and it became a hit. And then David Jason took over, who's another manic comic. And uh, when I took over, I think Andrew Sachs did it, I said to John Gale, the producer, my comedy is, I don't do funny voices and funny walks. Is the play good enough? And I soon realized, when I opened that, uh, I remember Alan Davis, a director, no longer with us, he said, Derek, Derek, he said, uh, you're the, probably one of the best actors to have played this part, but you're the least funny. Oh. <laughs> I said, oh, thanks for fun. Yeah. But I did it for a year, and I started to camp it up in the end. If you can't beat them, you join them, don't you? <laughs> but, uh, I love it, I love it. I, uh, went to Exeter to play Hamlet, which was a, a joyous time. And I went to the Young Vic to play Macbeth uh, with Jimmy Bolam, and we went to Mexico. It sounds like you've nailed all the big roles. Have you done King Lear yet? No, I can't do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I haven't got the guns. Okay. You've got to have big guns to do that. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I would probably lose my voice in the first week, you know. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Is this woman you've been shacking up with? The moment your back's turned, helps herself to your petty cash, is that right? No, it's not right, because there were no shacking up, as you call it, going on. Well, how would you describe it, then? She were a guest. All right. So how much do you estimate was taken from this box, club? Well, uh, at least three quid. Well, it could have been four. She often goes through my pockets. And where exactly do you fit into this sad and sordid little saga, sir? I'm her husband. Her husband? Well, it seems to me, Greengrass, you've obviously had a right little menage a trois going on at your place. What are you talking about? It's French, Claude. I know what it is and I know what it means. It's not far short of being slandered, because it weren't like that. Of course not. Well, are you, you going to do something about it or not? That's all I want to know. I'll call round later and get the details, Claude. I won't hold my breath. Well, what's going on, Rowan? How do you mean, Sarge? Well, first Sweaty Betty, now Greengrass. Is there something in the water around here these days?
1991, you get another huge part that takes over your life for 18 years, Oscar Blaketon, in Heartbeat. Yeah. Um, tell us about the whole process of that and working for such a long time with a you know, regular well, troop of actors. Uh, I was having dinner with my agent uh, and I met Malcolm Drury and I'd just done a guest role in Darling Buds of May up in Yorkshire mm. <clears throat> and I'd never worked at Yorkshire before. And we were having dinner, and he suddenly looked at me, Malcolm, and said, I've got an idea. Sorry, sorry, Malcolm, you don't sound like that. <laughs> I've got an idea. And I said, what is it? He said, no, I'm telling you, I'm not telling you. Anyway, the, the next day, Caroline, my agent, said, uh, uh, Malcolm Drury is going to uh, send you a script. It's called Aidensfield. It's uh, about a young copper who goes up north, and there are going to be six episodes and uh, be six months' work. So mm. we're biking over the script. They used to bike scripts over in those days. And anyway, the script arrived, and I read it and read it. And I thought, well, there's only one Londoner in this, and, and he's only 28. I think that might be pushing it a bit. <laughs> so I phoned, phoned my agent and said, I, I think I'm too old. She said, don't be stupid. They want you to play... The sergeant. I said, but he's northern. He's north country. She said, well, you're a bloody actor, aren't you? <laughs> and I said, yeah, but I've done north country on the stage. But will I get away with it on the telly? I'm from Clapham Junction. And uh, she said, if you're worried, go down and see them. So I went down to see them uh, at the Yorkshire Television in London. And I met. You know, the exec and the casting director and Malcolm. And they said, Derry, why are you worried? And I said, well, I'm, I'm being honest. I'm not Northern. They said, well, look, we would like you to play this part. You know, it's offered to you. So why don't you take the weekend and think about it? Get on with it. <laughs> and I did. And that night I was out and I met Jimmy Ormrod, who was going to be our director for the first two episodes. And he said, Derry, are you going to do this or not? I said, what do you think? He said, look, it's only six episodes. You know, grease your hair back, shout. <laughs> shout. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the Yorkshire way. Anyway, I, uh, I said yes. And uh, we went up to start the series and dear old Nick Berry and, mm. and the lovely William Simons and Mark Jordan were my boys so just to confirm, this wasn't written as a vehicle for Nick Berry, because that's what I always assumed, because he was obviously oh, yeah. the golden boy from EastEnders, had left the show, and his character is called Nick as well. It almost yeah, seemed no. he was trying to sell no, him. No. Uh, uh, Peter Walker, who wrote all the books, okay. they're based on the books. His pseudonym is Nicholas Ray, and he wrote Constable on the Hill, Constable in the Country, Constable up the Wat Kai, but, I don't, yeah. but there are so many... Mm. Uh, books called Constable doing this, that, and the other. So it's like the James Herriot series. It's, it's, yes. it's, it doesn't it hasn't come from just a TV script. Yes, but the, the constable in the books is not from London. Right. So Keith Richardson, the exec, had this great idea. Oh, did the comic strip Keith Richardson? I think. No, 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 no. Another Keith Richardson. No, is there another Keith Richardson? I don't know. I'm sure he did. He did the comic strip on Channel Four. Same. I don't think our Keith Richardson would think there's another one. Okay. No. <laughs> no. Anyway. Uh, Anyway, what happened was uh, he had the idea. They sat on it for quite a while because they had the rights for the books. And then uh, they had the idea of 
making at the copper a, a Londoner from the Met. So you've got the conflict of South versus North. They gave him a doctor wife. So you had the conflict of the medical side of it. And then, the, the, he, amazingly, he was in the shower listening to... Uh, who, who sang it originally? Uh, uh, he died in a plane. Uh, oh, him, that one. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, him. God, he, he's famous. <laughs> um, died in a plane crash. Yes, I know what you mean. He sang Heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, Billy, Billy Ray... No. Billy Ray. <laughs> Sorry, all right. <laughs> look it up. Look it up, Nick. <laughs> Google, Google. Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. Mm. Anyway, and said, what a great title, because you've got the heart, the medical, mm. the beat, the copper. Mm. So he had all the right ingredients. Mm. And then they found, uh, they found Gothland and Whitby and all the locations. And it just, well, just hit a nerve. Mm. Great cars, great music, 60s. Quirky coppers. It ticked all the boxes, all didn't the it, boxes. for Sunday Light, Sunday Light View. Uh, but then I was filming with Nick one morning in episode one, or was it episode two, uh, two o'clock in the morning in the undergrowth, <laughs> chasing green grass. <laughs> and uh, Nick said to me, what do you think, Dale? Do you think it's will run? I said, not a cat in hell's chance. Not really? It's a pile of poo. Ah. I said, so let's just enjoy... Mm. Enjoy six months' work. I bet I bet Nick Berry loved hearing you say that. This was his big moment after he's well, done. No, it's going to be a pile of poo. Nick is so laid back. Oh, okay. He's one of the nicest guys you could ever with. Mm. Uh, and I think as we started to do it, I think we realised that this was something yeah. really special. Mm. Mm. And the first six years were amazing, really. Uh, with me as the Sarge and the other three boys in the cop shop. Oh, we had so much fun. And it was then that Heartbeat really caught the essence of the period. And uh, and I think they were the most successful years. And then when Nick left and Neve left, and uh, because their relationship was pivotal yeah. to all what was going on. And then you had that great villain, Greengrass, who was always poaching and doing other things. But then it changed, and it had to evolve and do. And uh, we had so many cast changes. And in the end, it became a, uh, a guest-driven mm. show, in a way. And we had some wonderful guests. Would you describe it evolving more into a soap than a series towards the end? I mean, I mean that in a nice, fluffy yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, well, probably, but, but it was a different story every week. Yeah, yeah. And you did have a different guest star. Sure. And you had wonderful guests. You know, we had Thora Heard, Dora Brown, oh. George Baker, George Cole, you know, Roy Detrice, and uh, Leslie Phillips. Leslie Phillips, yeah. my mum was going to get married. Well, she, was, she went out with him for a while. Really? Leslie, Leslie. He, was, he was my other dad. He could have been my other dad. Oh, really? <laughs> you, I say. <laughs> Hel hello. Hello, yes. <laughs> and, uh, no, I worked with him on Chancer. Oh, Chancer? Yeah, I did. Clive Owen, of course. Yeah, I did that, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it wasn't really a soap. No, 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 no. And no. Uh, because uh, these wonderful people came in. I think what you had, you, you had all the, the kudos of Sunday night 
primetime drama yeah. with all the things ticked off and you you had that that the length of service of 18 years of work but yeah. but you didn't have the i would imagine the same intensity of work that you have on a soap which could like six episodes a week no, and I all mean, that I sort of stuff i mean when i left the cop shop and i took over the post office mm. and then after a year i bought the pub <clears throat> and because guests were coming in i mean i had a lot of episodes you know, I didn't do very much, mm, mm. but I didn't mind. No, 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 it's all... But 18 years. I remember Paul Eddington ringing me, ring me up, and he phoned me up. I, I, I'd done about two years, I think, and the phone rang, and it was, Derek, it's Paul. I said, hello, Paul, how are you? What's going on? He said, I've just seen Heartbeat. I said, really? Are you on the wrong channel? <laughs> he said, no, no, no. He said, you're, you know, you're very good in it. I said... Thank you very much, coming from you. He said, don't stay too long. And, uh, but I did. I stayed another 16 years. Mm. But I think if, if Paul and Nigel had lived, bless them, God bless them, they'd probably have dragged me yes. out <laughs> and said, get back on the stage. Mm. But, I mean, yeah. to have all that, to have security for that length of time, but to have wonderful guest stars coming in and out, you know, it's... Well, I mean, it's uh, you're here at my house, and uh, and Heartbeat bought this. And, it's a uh, very, very nice house, ladies and gentlemen, and, uh, with the with the most awe-inspiring view. Yeah. Of yeah. Um, of hills and dales and. And Heartbeat gave me uh, security, and mm. and which I'm very grateful for. And uh, the only sad thing is that Joe didn't live long mm. enough to enjoy it, really. But so your long-term partner, Hugh, you were with for 36 years? Yeah, 36 years. years. Yeah. Okay. And my book is dedicated to Joe, yeah. So, Derek, let's talk about a life worth living, uh, your autobiography. Well, it's all, also a part worth playing, is it? Is that what I said? Yeah. No, you said a life worth living. <laughs> <laughs> That's that'll, go, that'll go in the blooper it's reel. But I t- you know why? I'm, I forgot Life to bring. I forgot to bring the book today. Right. I read it, but yeah. I forgot to pack it. So um, I just I obviously just made that up. So what? Sorry, what is it again? A, a part. Right. Perfect. Okay. Right. Let me do this again. I'm going to laugh now. <laughs> so Derek, let's talk about a part worth playing. Your autobiography. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about it. It's, um, well, I, you know, I'm not a writer, and uh, I remember when Paul and Nigel. Uh, brought out their wonderful biographies uh, when we were filming Yes Minister. And uh, and they were terrific. And after that, people were saying, when are you going to write your book? I don't know why I say that in that voice. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I said, I can't write. But I, I collected seven titles, all different titles I used to collect. Uh, Bill Simons, who worked with me in Heartbeat, his favourite title was Am I In It? Am I In It? And then I loved, uh, what was all that about? I thought at the end of my career, I could, you know, I'm Ben <laughs> saying, what was all that about? Yeah. But uh, no, um, I have a dear friend who's a novelist. Oh, I've known uh, Michael Sellers and his wife for over 20 years. And uh, he's written some lovely books. And if, if, if Joe and I were socializing or having lunch or, or dinner over the years, and I told a story about, Gina or Alec Guinness, he would say, Derek, write it down. 
And I said, well, I can't write. Anyway, this went on for years. And then it was 2013 when, uh, you know, it was uh, not a good time. No. And uh, he suddenly turned up, came to my drive, got out, gave me a dictaphone, lots of cassettes, and said, OK, you may not be a writer, but you're a storyteller. So sit in your armchair and tell us the story of your life. And that's what I did for a year and a half. And that's how the book came about. And it was Michael, because I was going to call it all those things like, I had Mr. Derrick a life. At one <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> but he said, and then I thought, I don't want, really want to relate it to Just any to one, one show. Thing, yeah, and uh, he said, you mustn't. And then there's a bit in the passage in the book where I'm on my way to my first wedding. Mm. Sounds terrible. <laughs> and uh, my best man and I are dressed up to the nines in, in morning suit and grey top hats. And I, I said to Robin, I said to my best man, I said, look, I'm a working class boy from the sticks. What am I doing dressed up like this? <laughs> I said, it's like being in a play. And Robin said, you are in a play. I said, really? I hope it's a part worth playing. <laughs> and Michael picked that up and said, I think that's a good title. And uh, so when people ask me, what's the title about? It's about life, not about a specific role. It's just about living. And when you get to my age and you're grateful to wake up in the morning <laughs> and walk in a straight line, then uh, it's uh, a part worth playing. And on that note, I'm just going to give you your celebrity goodie bag, which comes in three pieces. Um, so there's some posh teas for you. Oh, really? How wonderful. There's some posh wine for you. Good grief. And finally, um, some, some posh chockies as well, which are summer chocolates, and they go in the fridge. I, I am totally overwhelmed. Did Katie get all this? Oh, yes, she got all this, yeah. Oh, no, wonderful. Derek Folds, thank you for inviting me to your house and uh, thank you for chatting to me today. I'll tell you, uh, it's, Nick, it's been a total pleasure and I, I'm overwhelmed with all this. Oh. I should get highly drunk. our thanks again to the gent for this Derek Foltz. And do look out for his wonderful autobiography, A Part Worth Playing. That's all for today. More Scratch and Sniff soon. But until then, from me, Nick Randall, goodbye. Heartbeat.